0: Welcome to the Jesus Said Love Podcast. This is a space where we talk about what it means to awaken hope and empower change. Listen,
1: for over a decade, Em and I have been fostering relationships with men and women who've been impacted by the commercial sex industry.
0: And it's through those relationships that Jesus Said Love was born. We figured it was time to talk about what this ministry has taught us and is still teaching us along the way.
1: I promise it's gonna be a place of conversation and story. We hope you learn something new. Maybe you see something in a new way.
0: Fun fact, you're gonna hear music because Brett and I are musicians. Yep. We can't just talk, nope. we gotta sing and play too.
1: We do. Here's the deal, guys. Our hope is that as you hear these stories, that you'll tap into your own story and that you'll be encouraged to live and love, well, like Jesus.
0: <laughs> hello. You always do that, hello. Hello, Emily. Hello, Brett. How you doing? We're good. It's, it's a good, good full week.
1: Friday you know? here in Waco, Texas. Yep. It's hot. Oh my
0: gosh. Yeah, we can't escape it. Everyone's melting. Everyone's cussing. <laughs> Everybody's mad to be alive.
1: Even pastors are cussing. Even it's if you hot? don't
0: struggle with depression, you're pretty much um, you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna be suffering right now.
1: Totally. So I want to, I want to jump right into today. I'm super excited. So this morning I got to share about the issue of demand with some law enforcement and prosecutor people who've been in our city this week at a week long training on human trafficking and, you know, all, all the things, sex industry and how law enforcement can be a part of that um, and take care of it. Mm -hmm. And so today on on their last day, I got to come in and just kind of share my perspective, and uh-huh. it was a lot of fun. And so today we are joined by who I refer to as the guru, um, <laughs> Detective Joe Scaramucci of the McLennan County Sheriff's Department.
0: Is it Scaramucci or Scaramucci?
1: Scaramucci. Okay.
0: Yes. <laughs>
1: the news gets it wrong all the time. I know.
0: Because everywhere we hear it's like Scaramucci, Scaramucci. Which... Uh,
2: Susan Peters started that.
0: Okay, that's where it came from. Scaramucci. We are so. It's glad. Italian. I'm isn't so it? glad yeah. to know. It's
2: Polish, right? We, it's a little Polish. We do the Fandango. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Joe, how long have you been in law enforcement? Oh, well, about 15 years. Okay, and before that, or were you in military? Yeah, I was a Marine Corps. Okay, so you're just you're just kind of a dude who knows what you're doing.
0: Well, tell us, tell us who you are. Obviously, we know your name's Detective Joe Scaramucci, but what's your role? What are you doing? And, and just, yeah, tell us in regards to human trafficking, who you are.
2: Yeah. Um, obviously I've been at the sheriff's office for a while. Uh, we started doing trafficking back in 2014, um, kind of by chance and ended up rolling into doing investigations, uh, had some pretty good investigations that, uh, span the country and it just kind of blew up from there. So now it's a full-time job, just investigating pretty much any type of trafficking, whether it be labor or sex. And then, uh, also training. We train a lot of agencies. I think as of last count, it's about 225 agencies within the U S and then nine federal agencies and federal law enforcement agencies on, uh, how do you, you know, do human trafficking operations and investigations Mm -hmm. and victimology and and all that.
0: So you said you kind of got into it by accident. So tell us that story.
2: Yeah, we were getting an influx of cases with uh, adults wanting to meet minor children. And at the time, my partner was Brad Bond. And we just started kicking around basically what it would be like to do the
0: to -hmm. catch a predator type sting. Mm -hmm.
2: And uh, we went to the sheriff with that request and he approved it. So we did it and it worked pretty well. Mm. Uh we didn't anticipate. I don't think anybody none of us knew what was coming. Uh we had no clue. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I always tell people it was an accident because I didn't I didn't anticipate what was about to happen.
1: Because up until that point, usually when people are getting arrested for prostitution, you know, it's kinda like the street stuff or you know, if you if it's a drug bust and this stuff's going on, it's not you, you had we hadn't really dove into that pool of mm-hmm. This online ad stuff here, at least in Central Texas.
2: Yeah, I'm not really sure how other agencies were doing it. Uh, we didn't, um, and there for a while, I don't know of any other local agency that was doing uh, these type of operations. Typically, what we see on a national level, and and what was happening locally, at least in from what we were seeing, and what we did initially. Uh, was basically arrest everybody. So if you're Mm -hmm. engaged in any form of prostitution, whether it be soliciting, whether it be selling, whatever the case may be. Um, So trafficking wasn't necessarily being addressed. The symptoms of trafficking were being addressed. Mm -hmm. So we just kind of figured it out, I guess.
0: From your perspective, of course, like we know what the definition of human trafficking is. It's where force, fraud, or coercion is used to, in terms of sex trafficking you know, for the exchange of sexual favors. But, um, from your perspective, like what was that crossover that bleed over? Like what was surprising? I think about when you started really going down this rabbit hole of, you know, investigating prostitution or stings, it was like, what was surprising to you about human trafficking?
2: um for one the amount of trafficking that's actually involved in it we see prostitution all the time everybody says well it's the oldest profession you know Mm -hmm. what are their other garbage they have um but we didn't walk into this realizing how much trafficking there was and we can talk about legal definition like you said force Mm -hmm. fraud or coercion and that's fine um but, you know, the way I look at it, it's it's exploitation of people. That's all it is. Mm-hmm, um, right. And when you're preying upon people for whatever reason and for whatever um, vulnerability they have mm-hmm. and you make something better for yourself <laughs> off of it, t- to me, now, is that a, a crime that we can prove? No, of course not, obviously. Mm-hmm. But, you know, looking at it as a person, that's trafficking. That is exploitation. That is you are exploiting human beings for Sex and money, uh, yeah. you know, and that's not okay.
0: Yeah, um, you know, I think a lot of people, and and for sure, what what we encounter because we worked, you know, with women in on the supply side for fifteen years, and um, and even women, I think, are divided on this issue. Yeah, you know, so we have a lot of conversations, even within our like feminist circles and things like that, about well, it's my body, like I can do what I want, so. You just said exploiting persons for something that someone else can get, you know, for gain, which is the definition of exploitation. If someone doesn't have something and then the person makes uh, money, whatever, uh, off of them. um, Why is sex for sale exploitive?
2: You know... It, it, the argument can always be made that consensual prostitution is okay. People <laughs> will say that all the time. I, th- that's here nor there to me. Uh, I do not know of any child, and I could be completely wrong, but I have yet to meet... A child who just got back from Disney, watched all the fireworks at Magic Kingdom mm-hmm. and said, I can't wait to get older mm-hmm. so I can sell my body for monetary gain. Right. So somewhere along the lines, whether they realize it or not, something has happened that has now made this acceptable. hmm. I would argue that even a sex buyer is exploiting that vulnerability with somebody who's doing it quote unquote consensually and mm-hmm. on their own accord. So mm-hmm. you know, it's tough. I mean, mm-hmm. it, obviously we all have a right to I say a right, mm-hmm. obviously not legally, but we have mm-hmm. um a right to make our own decisions with our mm-hmm. body and what we do with it, but mm-hmm. Uh, you know, somewhere along the line, you can't tell me that there's nothing that nothing ever occurred that made you feel like, hey, this is okay for me to do.
0: Yeah, I think for us, when we look at like, for me, when I look at the context of a choice, mm-hmm. that's what I'm looking at. So, so it's like, okay, well, maybe she did enter this quote by choice. Let's talk about the context of her choices. Is she growing up in poverty? What's her city? doing to empower women who are impoverished what are they doing for a single motherhood yeah. what are the resources available to her so then you get into like rural poverty you've got girls living in trailer parks who are driving to Dallas Texas you know so that they can make a buck because their city doesn't have the running water doesn't have the school system or she doesn't have her GED so what kind of job and what what are the context of her choices maybe her uncle was grooming her sexually abusing her for a long time i mean you listen to reba mcintyre's fancy that's the most popular song about human trafficking that we all sing yeah i mean
2: short of 50 cents pimp yeah, yeah. that's true <laughs> i mean
0: yeah exactly but that's like reba was like mainstream like we were all singing fancy and no one every word. I remember it all very well. I mean, I could sing every word. I had no idea I was singing about a child trafficker, the mom, Mm -hmm. and her daughter that she was turning out who now is in quote, the governor's mansion, which by the way, really small percentage of child trafficking victims end up where fancy did. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right.
2: No doubt. Yeah. Uh, No, those statistics are not in anybody's favor
0: <laughs> no yeah so the majority of what you're seeing on your side I mean what who how are how accessible are these young girls? how young is is what you're seeing You guys set up online stings. you pose uh, sometimes as a 15 year old girl to lure predators in and um, I mean yeah, how young are you seeing and how young are you looking at?
2: Yeah, we, um, have that, that's tough. Um, unfortunately we've seen juvenile sex crimes with children, you know, that are very young. Uh, I think the youngest that we had where somebody actually came to us thinking we were providing a child was two, Mm. which is pretty young, obviously. Um, typically when it comes to juvenile victims, we're seeing, uh, you know, entry 14
1: ish years old. So, it's a pretty popular age, unfortunately. So, so what you mean by that is you're you're finding these buyers who that's what they're interested in. They're interested in paying a fourteen year old for sex.
2: Yeah, we do come across them. Um, you know, the the fact remains is it's taboo. You can't do it. It's a it's a crime. And if you have somebody that you know that you groom and you end up sexually abusing or something like that, there's still the possibility that they know who you are. And they can exploit that situation and and turn you in. Mm -hmm. So if you meet with somebody that you're literally paying, spending an hour with and leaving, you know, who she, she doesn't know who you are. She can't call law enforcement and say, hey, you know, this person just left here to
1: her. You're number Mm -hmm. 10 of the day, unfortunately, you know. So take us, take us to your first sting. You put the thing out there. Yeah, let me rephrase that. You put the online ad out there, and all of a sudden, people start chiming in.
2: Yeah, so uh, I'm a pretty boring person, so <laughs> at 9 o'clock on a Saturday night when uh, I was getting ready for bed, I figured the rest of the world would be getting ready for bed. You know, <laughs> I, that was ignorant. Um. So I, I put up an ad, just very vague, you know. Would you want to hang out here's my number and you know whatever um let it go overnight i woke up i had something like 94 emails Mm -hmm. you know some absurd number uh so that was kind of the first clue that hey we got a huge problem that we don't know how Mm -hmm. we didn't expect this um and i want to say on that first operation we probably did two weeks worth and I want to say had 20 people, if I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken, that showed up that were specifically looking for sex with
0: juveniles. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. In it, our small community. I mean, that's the other thing is you're not in, this was not in a, they were coming from other areas.
2: Yeah. Yeah. But you were
0: advertising just for kind of our area? Just in
2: Waco. Yeah. yeah just in Waco. So, yeah. you know, people from uh, outlying areas and then uh, people mm-hmm. coming through Waco for mm-hmm. whatever reasons. Uh, we're reaching out and mm. meeting up with us.
0: So statistically we're like the what we have for the national statistic is that the demand is mostly made up of educated college white males. Is that what you're seeing? Or are you are we gonna start seeing some change on that? Um, to where more people where it's a wider range, or are you pretty much like Nope, white college-educated males are still the ones.
2: Uh, I would say for at least on a local level, what we're seeing is those would that would be more the demographic for the illicit massage businesses. Okay. So typically yeah. the people that are going to uh, engage in those forms are typically older uh, mm-hmm. Caucasian men that are well-educated and mm-hmm. have wedding rings. Um, when it comes to... Showing up for what they believe to be a prostitute or any other, you know, whatever uh, person that's engaging
1: in this, it's everybody. I can't mm-hmm. tell. Yeah, I mean, I would even from the guys that have been through stop yeah. and school. I mean, it is. Mm-hmm. It does all a, the colors of the rainbow. Yeah, mm-hmm. you could be any
2: race, any age. I, mm-hmm. I mean, we've had. I, I think we had a guy one time that didn't even hear me. I kept telling him, "Sir, I'm the sheriff's office," and he <laughs> was very elderly and mm-hmm. couldn't even. Couldn't even hear me telling him, like, wow. I'm literally behind you, sir. <laughs> um, <laughs> wow. So we've seen it all. We've had, I think, the youngest ever show up was, like, 15 or 16. Really? Mm-hmm.
0: Are the are, Do you see any women?
2: Uh, we have had a couple women buyers. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's few and far between. Typically, what we're seeing is that they're acting... Kind of in conjunction with the spouse for mm. you know another female to join.
0: Okay, and then what about on the supply side? Is it still largely women? Yeah, the yeah.
2: overwhelming majority of what we're seeing is women. Uh, we do know that there are you know male victims. Mm-hmm. Um, typically, it's a it's a very underreported crime, yeah.
1: mm-hmm. so
2: we don't get a lot of uh, of males come forward say, "Hey, I was trafficked," you know, mm-hmm. uh, for whatever reason. But we do come across those victims. It's mm-hmm. just very um
1: few and far between. Yeah. Okay, so when you when you came in to become a police officer and then you joined the sheriff's department, human trafficking and sex work, that wasn't on your radar. You're doing other things. Yeah, when I came to work here I was investigating crimes
2: against persons. So uh um my background was doing um pretty much anything from capital murder to, uh, assault family violence to, um, any kind of crime scene, uh, investigation, um, child sex crime, adult sex crime. Uh, the last thing I I distinctly remember around 2008, the state came out with this human trafficking training that Mm -hmm. we had to take. And I remember, Saying this is an absolute waste of my time we do not <laughs> we don 't have human trafficking i don't like why am I doing this mm-hmm. yeah uh and and truth be told, probably walked away from that training, thinking the same thing like many people do i and it, it wasn't until you know much, much more recent time that people ask me, how long have you investigated human trafficking? I tell them 15 years. I just didn't know it.
0: Yeah. You know? Yeah. So fast forward
1: to that first sting. At at what point did it kind of, I don't know, for lack of a better phrase, did it break off in you? This is an issue and I'm the guy to kind of take the banner and go with it here in central Texas. And now, I mean, you're now a federal officer, correct? Mm -hmm. I mean,
2: yeah, we've had, um, um, uh, Task Force agent status with uh, Homeland Security Investigations for several years now. I want to say back since 2015 or so. Which basically Uh, means you can go anywhere in the country and arrest people, right? Uh, to break it down on, a, on an easy platform, yeah. Uh, for our listeners, who don't know yeah. about all the I legal mean, jargon clearly, that goes yeah, on. Clearly, That's there's a here. little
1: red tape and some, some <laughs> things that have to happen.
0: Uh-huh. But
2: yeah. If you see
1: Joe on your street, you need to run or, uh-huh. or just lay down. Um,
2: <laughs> yeah, you know, moving into those investigations, honestly, uh, the more we moved into them and you begin seeing human beings involved. That's Mm -hmm. when it hits you, you know, the Mm -hmm. gravity of it. It's easy for me to kind of disassociate myself. Uh, I know when we were posing as children, you know, I would always say, well, if it wasn't me in the room, it would be a 14 year old Mm -hmm. boy or a 14 year old girl, um, you know, or whatever age. So we took pride in that obviously because you're here to do that. And, and, Luckily it's it's me and not them. But then when you start having live victims, mm-hmm. uh you start seeing, you know, what these people are going through and it's just, you mm. know, I've always just said, once you see it, how do you in good conscience turn your back on it? Mm-hmm. I just I don't know how you can.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm. And so now you, I mean, you've been doing this and you're training other agencies. It's like here in Waco, I mean, little bitty Waco, Texas, we're doing some significant work here. I mean, we've yeah, got the yeah. Heart of Texas Human Trafficking Coalition. And What did Jessica tell me today? 130-something entities are involved from faith-based, non-faith-based, NGOs, police, mm-hmm. government, blah, blah, blah. Everybody's in this together because not one single agency can... Tackle this issue, right? Oh no! Got so, him. so you arrest the guys, and then you send the guys through the prosecutors, and then the prosecutors send them to me. Yeah. And so, even in those steps, you know, you've got three, four, five, six agencies that are working with these guys mm-hmm. to show them why this is harmful. So, what is it like? I, th- I think it was maybe it was the massage parlors that took you out of Texas and took you into other states, like didn't you guys uncover that this stuff wasn't just local? Like it was. Yeah, we've had several cases in the past that have led us
2: to uh, multiple states. So Mm -hmm. case investigation wise, we've had cases in uh, Oklahoma, Arkansas, uh, Las Vegas, Nevada, New York City. Um, Yeah, I think we could probably touch almost every single state uh, and some of these investigations just based on, um, some of the, the, the intel that we have on them.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: How do we get the big guys?
0: Mm-hmm. What, what are the obstacles to getting those just kind of the kingpin, the, the top trafficker?
2: Um, I think for law enforcement, it has to be to keep pushing. Um, and not worry about numbers, um, mm-hmm. so the way I always tell cops is this: we have to to figure out what um what our measure of success is, and is my measure of success twenty five arrests off of off of an operation, not necessarily mm-hmm. if I can recover ten victims and get one arrest off mm-hmm. of one trafficker, mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. me we've succeeded because the goal needs to be finding people that need to be found, Mm -hmm. providing them with assistance, and then targeting the people who are exploiting them. So obviously, if we throw 25, uh, I'll just say women as an example, into into jail, Mm -hmm. um, it does nothing. Mm -hmm. We've done nothing to stop the problem because those 25 will be replaced in an hour. That's Mm -hmm. the reality of this. Mm -hmm. Um, If not, they'll get bonded out and they'll be replaced themselves, you know, Mm -hmm. within.
0: And they're usually bonded out by the by, yeah, the, by, the, by the one who's got the money <laughs> exactly. yeah so mm-hmm.
2: within 24 hours we're right back where we are we yeah. can continue this all day or we can go to the root of it mm-hmm. uh, and luckily we've um, you know had a lot a lot of support from uh, from the sheriff when it comes to that you know mm-hmm. he definitely makes sure that uh, when we need to do something that we're, we're equipped to do so
0: mm-hmm.
1: who who would you say is the most important player in that equation is it the sheriff who gives you the authority to do these things is it the Prosecutors who are willing to even take the case, like I think it's a it's a mixture of all of it.
2: Honestly, I always tell people that you know Waco is the perfect place for this uh, for us, and I'm sorry that you're not from here. But mm-hmm. the reality is, is that um, you know, I've got an administration that supports everything that we do 100. Um, percent. So if if I need to go somewhere to you know follow up on a case, uh, I've never had a problem. Um, you don't always have that with, with law enforcement agencies. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's easy to say, well, why don't you send it to Dallas and let them go follow up on it? Well, the reality is, is you're only going to do so much work for me. You're Mm -hmm. only going to put so much effort into Mm -hmm. it. So if I can run up to Dallas and take care of it myself, uh, we're we're better off. Obviously too. I know my case file. You don't, I know all the little things that Mm -hmm. I need to be looking for, like blue Listerine or Mm -hmm. certain things that matter in this particular case. um, having the support of the district attorney's office that we've had, you know, moving forward on cases and helping with uh, search warrants and getting through some of these things. And, you know, the open communication of, I really feel like we should prosecute it this way. And them saying, no, let's do it this way. And we sit down and, you know, figure it out together. Uh We've been very, very lucky there as well. And then the community, uh, honestly, is huge. I, I know that there are some some very large metro departments uh throughout the U.S., one in particular that I think the guys are extremely passionate about anti-trafficking work. I also think that the community as a whole where they're at don't really seem to get it. So mm. when you don't get the support of your community, how how are you going to move forward on mm-hmm. it? You know, and I think yeah. we're a perfect blend of all of that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. It does feel like, um, you know, 15 years ago, this just was not on our radar at all, even though we were going into strip clubs and we were yeah. looking at the faces of many victims we even had you know women who were stripping come to us and go hey there's a girl in here and she hasn't had electricity in three days and she came into the club with lice and a manager would call me and say I can't put her on the floor because she's dirty well, you all go pick lice out of her hair and, cl- and clean her up we had zero clue that she yeah. was being pimped out of this crack house you know this, this trap house and um, but they were expert eyes because they were, even they knew, you know, certain men that would come in, they would avoid or didn't really like to dance for because of their reputation or whatever. But I don't think any of us 15 years ago had the language or the education in our community mm-hmm. that we have now.
1: No, I mean, we thought it was, this is an overseas issue.
0: Yeah. Oh, completely. Yeah, it, this
1: happens in Thailand and...
0: yeah. Not here.
1: Not here. And America's just got strip clubs.
0: Yeah. And it, it <laughs> was know, the glamorization, just... I think, of all of it. I think that's the scales that have to fall from people's eyes is it's like it's like 1% of women in that industry that are making over $50,000. 1% to 3% is what they're saying. I mean, the rest on the supply side aren't the ones making the money. The the businessmen, the, the people on top who are running them, you know, are pocketing that. Yeah,
1: for sure. Yeah. So I just, I, read, I just read a study that researched eight big cities in the United States, and it looked at sex sales, gun sales, drug sales, and how they're all linked. Atlanta was number one. Uh, Atlanta's usually number one <laughs> on that. <laughs> I, I mean, that's sad, but it's mm. true. It was number one. And, and of those three categories, the sex sales far exceeded both guns and drugs. Yeah. Fifth was Dallas, Texas. And Dallas's number one was mm-hmm. drugs, but it was closely followed by sex and then guns. And so are you seeing that on the street? Are you seeing these drug connections with guns, sex, sex, with guns, with
2: you know that's tough. Uh part of it we're we're in Texas, so everybody's got a gun, mm-hmm. whether they're criminal or not. Um so that one, that's kind of a tough one to to work in there. Um, we do have people show up with guns. There's no question about it. Uh, when it comes to the drugs, that's there is a connect. Yeah, I mean we do see it. Um, I've been kind of surprised as to how infrequent it is compared to mm. what people think. Uh,
0: infrequent I, on the sorry, on which side on of the it?
2: connection on okay. the amount of save victims that are, you know, drug induced or mm-hmm. addicted to some sort of drug or something like that, you know, excluding obviously, you know, uh, alcohol mm-hmm. or something like that. Mm-hmm. But, uh, when we talk about, you know, what we would consider illicit narcotics, um, I don't see a whole lot of them. And if there are, they're not bringing it with them at that mm-hmm. particular moment and they're holding it pretty well mm-hmm. because, um, very few have actually stated that they have a problem with something Mm -hmm. like that you know obviously if they did uh we would work with who we could to get them you know help moving forward because you know you have to have a healthy witness you have to have somebody who's you know working to better Mm -hmm. themselves before they're going to better the case and before they're going to be able to to jump up and and talk about all this Mm -hmm. so uh, we just don't see a lot
0: Mm -hmm. I think that's surprising, I think, to me. I don't know. Is that surprising to you? You mean about the drugs? Yeah. I mean, just because so many of the women that we deal with are then, we're giving them to rehab. I just feel like that's like, sometimes the step one in recovery is like coming off meth or speedballing and all doing all that. Crack, and, yeah. yeah, or crack. Yeah.
1: yeah. What's a speedball again?
0: Well, it's got like heroin in it. So it's like a combo. To my understanding, (laughs) in in your expert opinion, in my expert understanding, it's one of those up or downer combos that rolls you in and out, like
1: a Red Bull and vodka. Yeah, there you go on steroids. That's right. Have you ever had anybody show up with their kid?
2: Yeah, we've had um, we've actually had women show up with the kids in the car, Hmm. and they were going to leave them in the car Hmm. while they came in. Um, You know. Again, That's obviously not a good day.
0: No. And again, like major systemic issue there. Yeah,
1: I mean that screams like poverty. Yes. Poverty, poverty.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Ridiculous. What else you got, Brett?
1: I was just looking at you like, what do you have?
0: I have I mean, I have my notes, but he I mean, he you you've touched on like all the things that I was gonna ask.
1: So I just wanna I mean I, I know. I think I know what you're going to say, and I know what I would say, but I don't think our listeners know. So, arrest the John or arrest the prostitute? Oh, I'd
2: tell everybody all day, arrest the buyer. Um, so, so, I mean, we can break this down a few ways. We can obviously say if we address demand, that demand will help reduce, you know, the supply. Because if I mean, it's simple. If simple mm-hmm. economics, if I don't go buy a Chevy mm-hmm. and nobody else goes and buys a Chevy. Ford's going to have a good day. That's mm-hmm. just how that works. Um so we can argue it on that front. Uh the other would be statistically speaking, the majority of what we would dub a prostitute is a trafficking victim. Um it, at least a majority enough that I would want to take my time and do a thorough investigation to ensure that I'm actually arresting somebody who is not a victim of crime. Mm-hmm. Um one thing I find interesting about prostitution and sex trafficking is it is the only crime that I'm familiar with that law enforcement agencies uh, as a, as a whole, you know, not one or two, but as a society of law enforcement, we um, will arrest for prostitution. We'll arrest the victims of trafficking for prostitution. And it's the only crime that I know of where that happens. Uh, You know, I've had people tell me, well, I have to, because it, takes the trafficking victim away from the trafficker for the day. I'm like, okay, well, that's a fair statement. Mm -hmm. Until they go bond him out. Until they bond (laughs) him out. But in the same breath, I've never arrested a victim of domestic violence to ensure she didn't get beat up tonight. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But we don't apply the same theory. No, in
0: fact, it's really hard for that victim to get away.
2: Absolutely. So you're taking somebody who's a perfect blend of domestic violence victim and sexual assault victim that's that's a lot to overcome. Yeah. And then we're going to put
1: you in jail because of that? Mm-hmm. That uh, you know, But see, even that's changing the mindset. Yeah, of I think a at, lot of people... Looking at a prostitute, I mean, as a as a victim.
0: Yeah, I do Because I think... can just
1: hear people going, but she chose to do that. If she would have just made better choices, sem- she wouldn't be on the yeah, street. for sure. If we chose to do a lot of things different, like wear a
2: longer dress or something like that, we would have never been sexually assaulted. If <laughs> we chose a different man... We wouldn't have yeah. got beat up. You know, everybody likes to throw all these choices that we could make that would change the game. It doesn't matter at that point. You know, we're past that. We're past the choice that led us to this. Um, and now we're at the point where somebody needs help. So mm-hmm. we can sit here and point fingers about their choices that they made two years ago, or we can do something to stop it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and there, you know, I am very hopeful. I think law enforcement... As a whole, and, and you saw, you know, some of the training today uh, that we've done this week is that a lot of cops are finally starting to get it. And they're they're looking at it and at least walking in with the fact that this could be an option. They could be a victim. Mm-hmm. So, like I always tell them, you know, treat them as such. Mm-hmm. In worst case scenario, you treat somebody with a little dignity, you know, yeah. uh, if you're wrong. who It's fine.
0: I do want to make a point because what you just said was really uh, powerful. And here's, here's why. Because a lot of times what law enforcement is looking for or an advocacy group, they're looking for an outcry. Mm-hmm. They're looking for the victim to say, I am in trouble. I am being trafficked. Yeah. I need help. And the important thing that Joe just shared is that knowledge is power. And a lot of times when you're being victimized, you don't know what you're living in. You're just surviving. You're surviving under a context that you have zero language for until you start giving a narrative, until the detective or the advocate begins asking some informative question using motivational interviewing and all these techniques to to get data. And once they express, well, yeah, I mean, like I got a boyfriend, but, you know, he just holds on to my money for me. Well, do you ever get to see, do, do you get to go... Buy what you went yeah i mean i get to go down and and i can spend or whatever i mean yeah. all this stuff comes up as their sto- as they're telling their story and so just like the person in poverty doesn't know all the statistics about poverty no they don't know that until they they may get a chance to visit someone at college and they realize i didn't have all this gro- what did, what was i growing up in What was it? Why didn't I have a grocery store with organic apples? Well, because you lived in a food desert and ain't nobody selling organic apples in the hood. And that's how it was. And you knowledge is power. So you start giving more education to communities. You start giving more education to victim services. And your eight I mean, how you're training law enforcement is changing the game because we're looking for different information. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. I
1: mean, I, I even today I had a conversation with a guy, and he he just kept saying, "This is so good. This is so transformational to me." And I'm worried about going back to my department because I'm going to try to share this information. Everybody's going to blow me off. It's, it's that's not here. Yeah. It's not good for so, you. It's not here.
2: Yeah. So what we work on with law enforcement quite a bit is is this. Um, when we look at human trafficking over the last thirty years of police investigations, uh the reality is is that we've always done exactly what you just said, Emily. And that's we ask for the victim to tell us what happened. Mm-hmm. Um and for the last 30 years, if you were to ask law enforcement I could put a hundred cops in the room right now and say, tell me what the biggest obstacle and hurdle is to human trafficking investigations. Just tell me what it is. Ninety nine of those cops will say. I can't get victims to cooperate. Okay, (laughs) so I tell them, then you're not. You cannot force a victim to change. That's right. So I can't continuously ask a victim to help, 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 expecting that they're going to. Because for the last two thousand years, trafficking has occurred. I mean, there's literally discussion of trafficking in the Bible. (laughs) Um, So. For the last thirty, you know, roughly, let's say that we're combating this uh, in every way that we know how, and that way is to beg the victim to help. Well, they're not going to help themselves. We know mm-hmm. that. We've beat our head against the wall for thirty years saying, "Let's try this." Uh, it's not working. So as cops, we then have to say one of us has to give, and one of us has to approach this differently. Well, I can't expect you to do it. I've got to do it, mm-hmm. so I can take time to work more technical based investigations. Mm-hmm more Mm data-driven, more, um, uh, you know, intel and and surveillance and Mm -hmm. all of those things that we can do to look and and paint a picture of what's going on Mm -hmm. without you telling me this is what's going on. Mm -hmm. You know, I can paint a picture of something and say, look, there's a a guy throwing a baseball. I don't have to say there's a painting of a guy throwing a baseball. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's the main goal, I think, with law enforcement. And and you're right, it is a shift. Um, It does require somebody standing up and and going back and say, hey, guys, I know we've done it for this long at our agency this particular way. We're all Mm going to agree that it ain't working. Mm -hmm. We have to try something else. Otherwise, we're going to keep doing the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know. know.
0: And there's so much there, I think, with, um, you know, law enforcement is still a predominantly male-dominated field. Mm -hmm. Um, And one of the reasons why I love... That I get to do this with Brett and he's engaged in this issue is because, you know, you guys are such a part of the solution that that is needed. And that voice of I can scream it from the rooftops like all day long, but like I'm still seen as a woman.
2: Yeah, it's I actually... I mean, that's still... No, you, you're right. And in law enforcement, what you find working with these um, with these ladies and these girls is that, you know, we always think about it and we're like, what would a, a female victim like to sit down and talk with, a male or a female? And everybody mm-hmm. typically says, well, mm-hmm. they would obviously want to put them with a female because the female, whatever. Um, But you're right. Mm -hmm. Uh, Most often what we're seeing is the female says, I don't want to talk to a woman. She's going to judge me.
0: Exactly. I would
2: rather talk to a man because he's not going to judge me the same way. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, whether or not that's true, you know, Mm -hmm. probably not. The female cop isn't probably going to sit there and, you know, cast judgment Mm -hmm. and all this. But it is something that they're seeing. So, yeah, it is. It is. A lot of times requiring um, males to do the interviews, not every time, but, you know, on many occasions for that reason. Mm
0: -hmm. And for the training. And I think just as as you're training other agencies like it, it does um, carry a, a dynamic kind of weight to our voice. Um, as well to have to have it from both sides like have as many voices at the table as possible and for so long victim advocacy Brett says it all the time he's like rape is not a woman's issue why are we calling rape a woman's issue it's It's a man's issue yeah no like why aren't more men in charge of running the rape crisis centers and the nonprofit agencies who are going to battle because it's on us. You know, he's like, we got to be a part of the solution.
2: Yeah. And you know, the other thing I think to that also is that the people that are victimizing them are men, right? Mm -hmm. It's not women going out and purchasing women for the most part. I get that it happens, but you know, overwhelming majority is men exploiting them. So I think a lot of times when a man comes in and is like, I don't actually want you to do anything for me. I want to help you with zero strings attached. Mm -hmm. Let's move forward. Um, that changes the dynamic as well because they're so used to being exploited by that same, you know, group of people.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, and, and I also think that's that's almost shifting that power dynamic, too.
0: Mm-hmm. That's
1: there. I mean, you have it as a cop, but you also have it as a man. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden now you're, you're putting the power back in her hands by being her advocate and coming mm-hmm. alongside her. And I think that's just a, a win for everyone. By mm-hmm. the way, 97% of reported rape cases are by men against women. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's statistically- so that means <laughs> maybe 3% of men are getting raped by somebody. Yeah. I'm just, uh, just saying, yeah, it ain't a woman's issue.
0: Right. Right. I know. I, and I love that, that you, um, just, yeah, like I said, bring your voices to the table. Why, why are you still in this work?
2: Um, (laughs) I mean, well, I mean, you know, I don't want to move into accounting or something (laughs) to be honest. Um, you know, I, I kind of feel like, um, uh, you know, like I said earlier, if, if you see it, you got to do something about Mm -hmm. it. And I don't want to walk away from this, uh, when that time comes and not know what happens next. I don't want to, of course I'm still young. I got plenty of years to (laughs) you know, run around here. But um I don't want to move on to something else that is going to take me away from what I feel is kind of my calling. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to, you know, promote or, or try to transfer to a different unit or something mm-hmm.
0: like
1: that. Um Just because I feel like this is where I want to be. Yeah. Now you work for a sheriff that many of us like and appreciate his not just his efforts in this issue, but the fact that he wears a fine cowboy hat. <laughs> yeah. And kind of he is just an icon of old West law sure, enforcement. For sure. Yeah. You ever going to run for sheriff? God, no, <laughs> no, um, no, <laughs> that, uh, not gonna
2: happen no, enough. I, you know, I enjoy what I do. <laughs> I, I really do. Um, I, I, uh, you know, God bless that man. I, I don't know how there's not enough hours in the day. Yeah. I don't know how he does it, to be honest, like, just
1: to be completely honest. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and just to, not to, to make this about the sheriff, but he's out there doing the work with you. Like, oh, he's yeah, doing takedowns, too. And how he's in his 70s, isn't he?
2: Yeah, I'm not sure how old he is, um, but I, that's probably about right. And I don't know of any other, honestly, of any other elected sheriff that's out there mm-hmm. uh when we talk to to agencies you know and i tell them yeah you know my sheriff was out doing surveillance with us they're like what are you talking about Who, who's <laughs> sheriff i'm like the sheriff no yeah which one i'm like the only one mm-hmm. you know the, <laughs> we got the one the <laughs> sheriff and they're like wait a minute your elected sheriff is out working with you guys you know and that's a huge morale thing you know to be mm-hmm. honest with you right it's, it's pretty cool to to be doing an operation and and you know you got a guy take off running and and there's your boss out there with you that's uh-huh. it's, you know it's a yeah. pretty good
0: that's good leadership. pretty good feeling yeah, yeah. for yeah, sure
2: it's a revolver <laughs> no, no. He's, he's got that 1911. You're oh, so with the pearl inlay. Uh, uh, that I don't know, but I know it's definitely,
1: definitely probably a 45. Oh, amazing. Well, Em, do you got any more questions? No,
0: I think this has been great. I hope our listeners have just had a good chance to kind of take a look inside of where law enforcement's coming from and to hopefully have um, a redemptive view. I think that, you know, for us being faith-based, we believe even things that, of course, systems that have failed us are also capable of um, redemption, reconciliation, resurrection. And um, I think that what I hope is proved in listening to this is that there are some incredible agencies doing some incredible work and, um, and it's going to take all of us to turn this game together. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just working with one another, communicating with one another and, um, and just, I can't commend you guys enough for just the training and, and what you guys have done to help recover countless victims. And
1: if you're, really if thankful. you're out there listening, uh, and you're in law enforcement or, you know, people in law enforcement, let them listen to this. Mm -hmm. Because we, that's one of the areas we've got to change mindsets Mm -hmm. that you, you need to acknowledge that human trafficking is happening in your city Mm -hmm. of some degree it's Mm -hmm. happening and you are some of the front lines to do something about it Mm -hmm. and Joe come train you. I just signed him up. He'll come to where you are. He'll go to Hawaii. You'll go to Hawaii. Uh, He's yeah. got federal. Not, definitely not going to turn down. He's got federal yeah. credentials. So Ho-
2: Hopefully somebody needs an Alaskan cruise training <laughs> there you or go. something. Yeah.
0: Hey, a cruise and trafficking training. Wouldn't there that you be? Go. You know how people are doing that these days? They're doing like different conferences like on cruise ships. That would be an Sign awkward Joe conference. Joe wants, Joe wants an Alaskan cruise human yeah, trafficking would, awareness there we training. Go. There we go.
2: For <laughs> now, I'm good bringing everybody to wake up. <laughs> <laughs> we'll check.
1: Go on a cruise and hear all this stuff And then go drink drinks I mean <laughs> that's weird <laughs> Well man thank you Thank you for letting us learn from you Yeah for and sure thank you for, everything the, for you asking do. me um, Thanks for listening And uh, we've got one more episode Coming up in this series On demand So remember Arrest the buyer Not the supply All right. See you guys later. See
0: ya. Hey, thanks for joining the Jesus Said Love podcast. We are so glad you have chosen to awaken hope and empower change with us.
1: We want to remind you to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and leave us a review. Yes. Because your voice matters. It's how we get this message into the world.
0: And lastly, be sure to follow Jesus Said Love on Instagram and Facebook for up-to-date info. And visit the website at JesusSaidLove.com for how you can join the JSL fam.
1: Until next time.
0: Share the love.